VC investments for women are still low a decade later. Crunchbase reports venture funding down 49% since last year, and Biden's administration blocked from content moderation on social platforms. I'm Jackson Fordyce, and this is Venture Daily. Over the past decade, there's been no improvement in the share of VC funding for founder teams consisting of only women. This was reported yesterday by the British Business Bank from their 2023 report. Here are the highlights of the report. Only 2% of startups led by all female founder teams receive VC funding, a percentage which has remained stagnant over the last decade. 13% of first-time equity deals went to all female founder teams in 2022, and only 10% to all ethnic minority teams. I talked to Rebecca Lynn. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lynn. I'm a co-founder and partner at Canvas Ventures. Named a woman to watch, senior dealmaker by the Wall Street Journal, and a top woman VC by the New York Times. Rebecca has also been ranked in the Forbes Midas list five years in a row. She thinks efforts to solve this problem in the last decade have failed because we're approaching it backwards. I think it's because we're trying to start addressing the issue from the wrong end, to be perfectly honest. I'll tell you at Canvas, you know, because I'm a female founder, I think we would naturally attract a lot of um, a lot of teams. And so we had, you know, for our numbers at least, and we hadn't even looked at these numbers until we started hearing this data and we thought, you know, we feel pretty diverse. So we would thought we'd go back and take a, take a look. And what we found is half of our companies and about 80% of our executives are either female or diverse. Right. And I think that comes from having a really diverse team. And so we come in with, um, without maybe that unconscious bias. However, I think overall, what's really happening is we're coming at the problem from the wrong end. And I speak to this because I was a you know, first-generation college student. I grew up in the Midwest, and, and I was an engineer my whole life. And so I was always kind of one of the few females there. So I've seen it um, really from the very beginning. And I think we are trying to address the problem in venture, even post-college, right? And it's really not the place to start if we want to make a big impact here. I think you have to start at preschool and at elementary school and make sure that women and underserved minorities, mostly in socioeconomic disadvantaged communities, have the same access to education. Often they, like myself, didn't have parents who were in STEM degrees. And if we really want to make a difference in venture and in in this whole issue, you can't start at the other end of the spectrum. I asked Rebecca what she thought some of the barriers to entry were for female-led startups. I think the barriers to entry for female founders, it's not, you know, getting the meeting because I'll tell you, you know, what I've seen change really for the better when I, as I've been in venture, I came into venture in 0708. And um, it was hard at that point to even find teams with female founders. So I have seen this, I have seen it really improve over time, just subjectively, I would say. But, you know, people really want to take the meetings with female founders. And it's just, I'll tell you, there's not that many of them. And so I think, I think a lot of it is, is, um, is just encouraging people encouraging female founders and ethnic minorities to really, to really go for it and, and think big. And, and I think a lot of that, even maybe even high school, we can impact it more, right? But it can't be at the end of the game. Although the reported number is that 13% of first-time equity deals went to all female founder teams in 2022, I wonder if there were still a large chunk of venture-backed founder teams with partial women leadership. Rebecca says she sees this often, especially at Canvas. 
Yeah, in my experience, um, we typically do. I mean, we have 80% of our companies have at least one, you know, female sort of what female sort of executive or founder. Um, so we often see that. I, I would actually worry if it was all females that maybe the diversity wasn't there either. I, I like really diverse teams and really um, people that think very differently about the problem. Pitchbrook reports that over 16% of venture-backed startups have partial women leadership, a significantly higher percentage than the 2% of startups with all-women leadership. Hey, a quick note here. I spoke with Rebecca on two different phone calls yesterday covering this story, and on our second call, we experienced some audio issues. We tried our best to make it sound clearer, but fair warning, Rebecca does not sound quite as crisp during her next few sound bites. Rebecca believes the 2% figure is so low, at least in part, because many all-women-led founding teams never even seek out venture funding in the first place. Yeah, I mean, um, I think sometimes, too, that, well, what we say oftentimes is that not, our, not all companies really go after venture, right? So one of my favorite companies ever is Epic, uh, led by a woman named Judy, and she owns 100% of it pretty much, right? So she never got venture money. And so we do see cases many times in venture where companies are built without venture money. However, I do think it's a problem in venture that we we don't see more female founders in general, right? Um, and so the barriers to entry, I, I do think, come from, you know, women really focused in on these STEM careers, uh, women developers, women um, engineers. And I would like to see women in those types of roles on the on these founding teams. Rebecca has made it her mission as a female founder to be a role model for the next generation to inspire young women to found their own companies. So one of the things we specifically do to help encourage female founders to come in and, and start a company and raise venture money and really go for it is I spend a lot of time in the undergrad areas at both Berkeley and Stanford, which are you know, universities very nearby. And I've done several panels with the women leadership organizations at those two universities where I'll bring in really prominent female founders of companies like Stephanie Telenius, who's a founder of mine at Vita, for example, would be, uh, would be one. And we do, um, we do panel discussions where we you know, talk to the women in the audience and we really encourage them to come forward to start companies. And I think the best thing we can do is show role models of really successful women who've done it, right? And who have you know, founded their own company, who've been the CEO, and are making great progress. And so I think that's the one thing that we can all do in, in terms of venture is to go and highlight the success of the women who are there because that provides a really good role model for people, for women who are still thinking about what is what is it they want to do when they graduate, right? What is it they want to, want to become? And we'd love for them to become founders. British Business Bank offers what they call three clear, actionable, and evidence-based pathways, which venture capital firms can implement to enhance diversity in venture capital investments. They are as follows. One, promote diversity at the top. Two, foster inclusion in the investment pipeline, very similar to what Rebecca does at Canvas. And three, embrace transparency and accountability. Thanks so much to Rebecca for joining us and providing important insight. Absolutely. The global venture funding slowdown has not been reversed in Q2, crunch-based data shows. The report, which was just released, shows that global venture funding is down 49% compared to this time one year ago. Here's a quick breakdown. We are now four to five quarters into the current funding decline. 
Late-stage funding is down 40%, seeing its lowest quarter since 2018. Early-stage funding is down 45%, with deal counts down 35%. Seed funding is down 39%, and AI, Q2's big hope, wasn't enough to reverse the global slowdown. Crunchbase News' senior data editor joins our show today. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here on the Venture Daily. Um, so my name is Jeanne Thier. I'm the senior data editor here at Crunchbase News. Jeanne works with the data presented within the report every day. And what I spend a lot of my day doing is looking at the data that comes into Crunchbase, passing the data, talking to industry experts and trying to see if the data matches with what people are seeing in the venture industry or whether very different things are happening from what we're seeing in the data. So it's trying to match what's happening, what's actually happening with what experts are saying out there. I asked her if there's any silver lining to the downturn that we're seeing. I think there is, because I think what we saw in 2021 is that it's almost like the venture industry got ahead of its skis. It was putting so many dollars at very, very high valuations into startups. And when, you know, the private markets seem to be so overvalued relative to what's been happening in the public markets since the end of 2021, um, it really gave the whole industry pause and everyone kind of sat back and thought, what, what should what should valuations look like? What are the, the amounts of money that should go into startups? And I think this is a necessary correction because 2021 in hindsight looks like a blip. It kind of went crazy. Everything is now not in line with um, exit values today. And so I think we're getting back to where we should be. So I think the silver lining is the venture industry and startups are going to be in better shape coming through this climate um, in 2023. Jeanne told me she expects companies will begin to seek funding later again this year or early in 2024 as their runways begin to run out. Yeah. So we're, what we are seeing in our data is every single funding stage is cut back. Um, so what we saw in Q2 um, 2022, late stage funding cut back and all the investors said, hey, we're going to focus on seed and early stage. And then what we saw the next quarter in Q3, early stage cut back, because what you face is if you're an early stage investor, can your companies continue to raise at the later stages? And if they can't, you're going to be much more careful. So we saw early stage come back in Q3. And then seed stage was still pretty high. It was flat in Q3. And then in Q4 2022, seed stage funding came down. And so what we're seeing in our data set in Q1 and Q2, that every single funding stage is now down. That it, it sort of had this ripple effect from late stage to early stage to seed. And I think the reason for that is if you're an investor at the seed stage, you're looking to invest. You have a lot of startups who might not be able to go and raise that next round. You're going to be much more cautious about where you put your money today. So I think the whole, every single asset class has become much more cautious and are not sure what this means just because investors are pulling back. Jeanette, walk me through each funding stage and how Crunchbase is seeing cutbacks in every one. When the market correction happened, you know, the whole industry kind of thought, how does this affect this? Is, is this a blip? Is this going to be more sustained? And when it became clear that this was going to be a more sustained correction, that the public markets of 2021, the values we saw have completely gone away, everyone, all the investors across the board advised, advised their startups to cut back, to extend their runway, um, because this was going to be a very hard time to raise funding and they really needed to, to look at their startups um, you know, cautiously and prepare for the next climate. I think the point that we're at now is a lot of those startups have cut their runway and they're beginning to face 
um, an existential question, can they go out and raise again or are they going to are they be able to sustain themselves or are they going to have to close down? So I think what we're going to see in the latter half of 2023 and into 2024 is many more startups coming back to test the funding markets and they may or may not make it through because we're in a climate where investors are much more cautious about what they're investing in. I wondered if this would cause an issue for new startups seeking funding from venture, and if we would see more bootstrapping over the next 6 to 12 months from new companies. Jeanne doesn't forecast this to be the case. I think what we are going to see is, you know, one of the stories that we wrote about recently is how many more companies got funded in 2021 and 2022 got a sizable seed in the U.S. market that are still in that seed pool. So there are a lot more companies from the last two years, about 2,000 per year, that are still in that sort of seed pool and might be looking to raise further seed funding or if they've grown enough to raise that Series A. And I think what we're also expecting is because of all the tech layoffs, there are going to be a lot of individuals who've been laid off who will say, hang on a minute, I have a great idea for a startup and I'm going to go start my startup because I'm now facing, you know, should I go join another startup or a big tech company or should I start my own thing? So I think we're going to see a lot more startup formation and creation in this period as well, which creates a much more competitive environment. And so I think for a lot of seed funded companies, I think the newer ones in some ways might be an advantage against the ones that were already funded just because they knew they don't have to prove anything at this point. They might have an exciting, the founders might have a a strong tech background and an exciting story for this moment in tech. Um, So I actually think the new companies, the new startups who get founded are probably going to do better than the ones that we've seen over the last two years because they're going to have a little bit more to prove. Thanks so much for being here, Janae. Thanks so much. Great to chat. Biden v. Missouri might be the straw that breaks the camel's back when it comes to content moderation on social media platforms. The Wall Street Journal's Jacob Gershman reports that in an effort to stop disinformation on social media platforms, the Biden administration may have violated the First Amendment. This week, Louisiana U.S. District Judge Terry Dowdy issued a preliminary injunction that limits the federal government in contacting social media platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube about their content. According to the lawsuit, the Biden administration, quote, pressured social media platforms to scrub away disfavored views about the COVID-19 health policies, the origins of the pandemic, the Hunter Biden laptop story, election scrutiny, and other divisive topics, unquote. However, Judge Dowdy makes it clear that this ruling in no way bans the federal government from communicating with social media platforms. Communication is permissible in cases such as providing information on, quote, criminal activity, national security, and public safety threats or content intending to mislead voters about voting requirements and procedures, unquote. The Wall Street Journal reports that lawyers involved with the case state, never before has a federal judge set such sweeping limits on how the federal government may communicate with online platforms. The U.S. Justice Department responded to Judge Dowdy's ruling, stating, The record in this case shows that the federal government promoted necessary and responsible actions to protect public health, safety, and security when confronted by a deadly pandemic and hostile foreign assaults on critical election infrastructure. Time will tell how this ruling affects the government's relationship with social media companies and their pursuit in moderating content on these platforms. As always, we'll keep you updated with any new developments in the case. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Venture Daily. Today's show is produced by Josiah Simons and Jackson Fordyce. Our theme song was created by Benjamin Cook. If you like today's show, please give us an honest review wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see y'all tomorrow.